GM and welcome to episode 10 of Probably Nothing. I'm TZ, the CEO of Islands, and with my co-host Alexis Ohanian, we'll be uncovering how NFTs and Web3 are changing community, commerce, and content online by talking directly with the people building in the space. This episode was a fun one as Jacob had one of the craziest years in 2021 in Web3. Jacob Martin is known as the NFT attorney on Twitter and has cemented himself as one of the leading experts of Web3 law. He mostly does lawyer things. When he isn't doing lawyer things, he's doing things like turning $5,000 into a seven-figure portfolio by flipping NFTs and participating in the right DAOs. Even though Jacob only has two years of traditional law experience at age 26, we dive deep into why his background played a fundamental role in his rise as the NFT attorney on Twitter. We also found out what Jacob looks for when vetting the projects he invests in, how he gets the best alpha as an attorney, and where he believes Web3 will go in 2022. In 2021, he was known as the NFT attorney, but with his investment success and people constantly asking to work with him, he is launching Two Punks Capital, a fund investing in the future of Web3. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, subscribe, and share this on social media to help others learn more about Web3. Feel free to tag me at Tzong and at Alexis Ohanian. Pod. Welcome to episode eight. I mean, if, if Alexis stops talking. Welcome to episode eight <laughs> with Jacob Martin, the one and only NFT attorney. Legend. Legend. Mm-hmm. Twitter legend. Yeah, I so know well the NFT attorney, how did you get into NFTs and what helped you understand them? Yeah, so... In 2016, I kind of got the philosophy of Bitcoin down. I was like, all right, cool. 2017, an interesting combination of like an early Ethereum dev who was a former pro hockey player explained smart contracts to like 10 of us over coffee. And I was like, okay, well, AI is currently ruining lawyers' jobs because AI can do it better and faster than you as a junior lawyer, like editing documents. And then if smart contracts remove the need for lawyers altogether then like, what am I doing in law school right now, preparing to like be a lawyer? And I wanted to be in tech anyways. So I interned at a firm in Santa Monica that was all blockchain stuff for a year. And that was crazy. It was ICO territory. It was white papers. It was some companies, some ideas, whatever. And then I'm the guy in like early 2018, late 2017, like turning down crypto kitties and crypto punks, because to me, That was like a nascent useless use case of a smart contract compared to (laughs) like, you could no 2018, it sure was. You could put real estate on chain or you could try to do this or that. And so, yeah. So I raised money in 2018 to try to take wills and trusts and like bake asset distribution into a smart contract. I worked out of Science Inc. in Santa Monica, raised a little money while in school. Everyone else is focused on class and I'm like trying to build smart contracts and, and like make things work. Anyways, that was like the tail end of school. I took the bar and, and was doing the startup instead. And late 2020, it was kind of like a combination of my startup coming to a logical end as we like didn't get over some of the technology barriers associated with legacy banking institutions and like automation of asset distribution. That's like a super nerdy sentence. But I saw NFTs in their current form, digital culture, and just like a massive wasteland of Wild West where no one had lawyers or accountants or like any idea what was going on. I've now understood better what my place in the market, but I feel like the analogy is more of like a sheriff in a Wild West town where like I have a gun on my hip, I can help if necessary, but I can't stop you from shooting each other in the streets. I can't stop the wolves from getting you if you go outside of town. 
like there's only so much I can do to help, but like I'm not like justice and jury and the court and the jail. I'm just like a useful sheriff at the bar with a gun on my hip that can like help when necessary. So that was kind of the path of like smart contract startup into NFT land. I mean, you were way ahead of your times. For real. Building we that company early. in 2018. Mm. It was a sad time. The market time wasn't the ready market. for you. It was a it was crypto winner, but the incumbents, they were not trying to return your calls, were they? It was a weird space where like the people who wanted that tech the most were family offices that have a lot of like movement on like trust money and they would mm -hmm. love that automated. And then like I met with two Fortune 500 banks that basically saw it as like, ooh, if that works, you're going to take a lot of our business away. So those were the interested parties, but I thought it would be like people holding massive bags of crypto, like Ethereum and Bitcoin. But the prices were so low at the time. They're like, eh, what? Like, if I die, it's not that big of a deal. Whereas now it's, you know, wow. I know lots of people with seven figure bags, 10 figure mm -hmm. bags, like that they don't have redundancies in place for their family. My wife knows right now that she's got three people that I, that she could call in my life that she could use her. Like she knows how to get to the things she needs to get into my stuff, but she doesn't know how to get into my stuff. So she's going to have to call one of these like trusted parties to sit down in a room with her to like do the thing. Right. So it's still a huge problem, but yeah, someday, someday someone will solve it. What do you suggest for people who want to do like to do crypto wills? At this point, it's really just like figuring out who sprinkle your seed phrase around the world and make it a uh make it a scavenger hunt <laughs> yeah i mean it's like the, the the answers right now again this is such a like the reason and so the this. reason i wanted to work on wills and trust specifically is because it's like such an archaic system and like i think smart contracts and automation it's like the most prime place to like do that it's just like there's a custody layer where you want me to automate your stuff but you don't want to give me custody over your stuff because then i can take it you know, there's like the Mt. Gox problem. So as of now, I would say, yeah, like seed phrase, seed phrases in storage vaults where only a lawyer or an accountant or someone has the ability to give you one of the keys, someone in your life that knows how to do that, that you're connecting with your partner or your family or your somebody. And then it's like, a, it requires two or three people to even like access. It. I mean, it depends how big the bag is. But once you're over a million plus, like, and you're like, really like, oh my gosh, I need my family to get this. Um, or maybe 70% of your net worth or something. It's like, you, you really got to figure it out. You got to Whether it's a trusted up. friend or whatever. I see Alexis's brain is like, oh, we should invest in something here. That's oh, that 100%. Right. You really I'm should. <laughs> desperately looking to fund this at 776. So please, you know how yeah. to reach me. <laughs> If yeah, you're listening to this podcast, startups. send yeah. Alexis a message. Send, send me the pitch. I'm ready for it. Yep. I'm down to so, be an advisor. I'm down to be an advisor great. on these. Uh, if somebody Dude, else we're putting wants together to a cap it, table here, let's do I'll it. I'll advise and invest as well. We'll manage let's the community it. on islands. I love this. Oh, yes. man. This is great. So, Jacob, <laughs> we need to talk about your fund and this whole year from okay. start to finish. It's December 2021. The year's almost over. You've had right. an incredible year. Yeah. Like, take us from the start on your punks, getting involved with doodles and Ready Player Dow and everything in between. Oh my gosh. Um, okay. I've turned four figures, as in like five grand, 
into like a reasonable seven figure position this year, all in like eight months spread across uh, NFTs and DAO positions. It's been pretty amazing. And, you know, yeah, I, that's just like the, that's the high level of like, yeah, let's, yeah. let's go it's been, into like at, the, at the high level, it's been really good in the weeds. I, I recognized early in the year that there was a need for lawyers in the conversation around DAOs, around securitization, around securities, around taxes, you know, whatever. So I kind of got in there as a lawyer, there was a lot of stuff going on in clubhouse and like Twitter and like, just like interesting ideas, but like not a lot of structure. Um, and then money starts falling from the sky and there's still no structure. <laughs> and, you know, what I did early on was I took really good bets on who I would let pay me in fiat versus who I would let pay me uh, in crypto or like their NFTs, you know, smart. like I kind of weaved in and out of like when I'm looking for equity in a small company or when I'm looking for NFTs or when I'm looking for just cash. And, and so that some what of that were some of those and, examples of, so I'm an advisor decision making process. Oh, on the decision-making process. Uh, and the artists that you decided. In. Yeah, and the artists that you decided to take NFT, yeah, break it NFTs down, as a form of payment. I mean, I think, I think at the end of the day, I had a very good year as an investor, like as you should. Like, as, like I was having to vet people coming to me with a lawyer idea or like, hey, we need legal help. And then I like switch right into like business advisor, consultant, asking questions, poking holes, mm. like what's here. And, you know, probably ended up for some of my clients feeling way more like a venture pitch or like a, how do we get Jacob involved kind of thing. And like, they really just needed me to form their entity. But next thing you know, I'm like genuinely helping making the project better or like pushing them to rethink. As far as art goes, art was easy. Like I, I became friends with Felocious and Render and Parrot and mm -hmm. a bunch of other fun people this year. Those are all like non-monetary things. Those are just the friends now, you know, on the business side though. Yeah. It was like, okay, cartoons are selling out every other day, but that doesn't mean that there's a team behind it that's worth being involved with, you know? Yeah. Let's talk about doodles. What, what stirred your cocoa about that? Yeah. So, well, I can say like with Bored Apes, the reason I missed Apes earlier in the year is because I didn't know anything about the team. And it was like this clubhouse hype thing where like, like Blau was in there, like giving them away, Farouk's giving them away, like JR's giving them away. And it felt to me like I didn't understand how these people like overnight while I was asleep all got hundreds of these monkeys and were like giving them away for free to people. So to me, it was like, okay, is this like an influencer, like pump and dump project? Who's being paid to do what they're doing? And so I actually just kind of wrote it off as like, a, I'm really busy right now and I don't like this vibe of like, let's scream Bored Ape until everybody gets it. <laughs> so like, I just didn't go Sorry. listen. And that was totally wrong of me. Like I didn't give the team a chance. I had no idea what was going on. I just didn't like six hours worth of what I saw on Clubhouse over a week, you know? And I was like, eh, like I'm good. Whereas totally that was a whiff, right? That was a total whiff on my part. But on Doodles, you know, Evan and Jordan, like Tulip and Poopy, they're Dapper Labs guys that have built and scaled hundred person teams, billion dollar companies. Yeah, they're um, not playing. And Scott, yeah, they're not they're not messing around. Like Burnt Toast has half a million followers on Instagram and has been a prominent artist for ten years. So them coming together was the opposite of let's all make three million dollars right quick and then like hopefully have a Discord afterwards. Like <laughs> I want to say they like. I stumbled on them when I was one of the first thousand people in the discord, like organically. And like one of the first, I guess, 5,000 followers on Twitter. I, I don't remember who it was. Somebody just retweeted it and I liked it. But 
by the time they launched their sale, they had like 60,000 Twitter followers and like people begging to get in the discord. And it was because like the founders were active, they were around, they were engaging with people and they are executors. So to me, they're one of the easiest bets in the market. Like as far as a well-rounded, you're looking for a hacker, a builder, a seller, an artist, a debt, right? Like whatever bullet points you're looking for in a team, they totally fit it like easily between the three of them. And then they do a good job of hanging out with people. And that's kind of the culture building side, you know? So to me, you know, whether people want to argue top three, top five, top 20, doesn't really matter like where they land on like certain ranking categories right now. Like I just thought before they even went like launched, like, all right, this is one where I want to hang out with these founders, but I also think they're going to build something that works. Respect, respect. That's a great answer. What I'll be doing 2022 is I'm raising a fund. Like you mentioned, we can chat about that, but I'll be doing like most of my legal work that I actually do is going to be like for the doodles. Like it'll be like part advisor, part kind of general Mm. counsel, like helping them scale a billion dollar company. Hopefully I really don't want to do a ton of random lawyer stuff. I think it's, you know, I've kind of built out a network of trusted other lawyers at this point and more have onboarded and they kind of get it. So I know who to point where for expertise. I'd rather dig deep on the fund and then on doodles with, you know, some consulting on the side, I guess. Yeah, it's interesting because you're, you've basically built a brand around being a lawyer in this space, but now you're helping DAOs and projects with the business side of things just all mm-hmm. around because of your network and also your experience kind of building up these, these DAOs. Mm-hmm. And so you're just moving completely towards this more business advisory role and investor role from what I've seen. Wait, so let's also hear the story about your punks. Your two, your two and a half punks. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have, I have, so I have one and a half oh, one punks. and a half, one and a half. I actually, I flipped a V friend into a punk. Like from March, <laughs> from March today. until June, I flipped a V friend into a punk. I think I claim being the first person to do that. And so like while being a lawyer, I was also like really trying to dig in, you know, like I got the ENS airdrop because I had my daddy, like I got to some of these things because I was flipping and I was having these conversations and I was like actively trying, you know, to be involved. And so I minted some things, flipped them, bought some things I liked, kept them. And yeah, I flipped a V friend all the way from a 0.52 ETH purchase into a uh, I ended up with a one of Justin Aversano's like blue twin flames. I oh, scooped man. it super, super cheap. And then I ended up trading Anonymix, who's one of like the bigger whales in the market, definitely one of the bigger uh, photography whales. And him and I traded the blue twin for a CryptoPunk in June. So my cost basis in my punk is like three grand on that. I mean, obviously there was some flipping to get there, but like the blue twin. Yeah, what did, you, what did you flip? I bought it for like three grand. Oh my God, stupid stuff. Um, and how did you... It was super fun, though. Yeah, how um, did you maintain... So, NFT day trading while working uh, yeah. a day job is interesting because yeah. I don't understand how someone can have the mental capacity to like continue doing a day job while watching the market change like yeah. hourly. How? Yeah, so how? Yeah. So this has become more of a problem recently. It wasn't as much of a problem earlier this year. Because what happens is when you've got your like trusted kind of alpha funnels, whether that's a couple mm-hmm. discords you, you're really active in and you trust, or you have some friends that are also doing it, you know, me being a lawyer, my, my deal flow, I guess, my conversations with legal clients, it's almost the same as being an investor 
because it is the market. Like it is the ideas that are percolating in the market. And I'm talking to people at all times that are bringing up other projects that are bringing up other things. Like I'm on Twitter, like I'm on whatever. So it's not like a nine to five where my head is down, like in an engineering stack, like building something. It's a nine to five where I'm like having conversations with other people and there's Twitter and there's other things, right? So like my, like I'm kind of open at all times, I guess, in that way. And if someone's like, hey, buy this right quick, like I can just go do that instead of like, oh, I'm on eight back-to-backs, I can't, you know? And more recently, it's actually gotten a little bit, I guess, more difficult because I, I do have far more calls. Like when you're taking Dow calls, lawyer calls, kind of investor calls, like the whole thing, like it, it gets too stacked and I don't get to do the fun stuff as much. Uh, well, the, the de- degenerate fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Wait, so tell Are you us- flipping? You started at such a small, like, small cost basis and flipping mm-hmm. flipping your way up. Like, it was, it feels such such high risk. You just really had to bet on the right people, I guess, telling you what trades to make. So I, I view it as the opposite. I view it as nothing to lose. And I think that's how a lot of the market views it. So if you take someone, I had brunch with a, with a billionaire friend in, Malibu not long ago, who I was telling about my JPEGs. And they were like, I know your financial situation. You should sell everything. Like (laughs) you're 26, sell everything, pay your taxes. Like half a million in hand would be amazing. You know what I mean? Like that'd be a good start in life. You should totally do that. Yeah. And I'm like, well, the, the difference is you're worth X. And to you, the thought of a portfolio halving in value is losing half of this thing you have. Whereas for me, losing half of my portfolio value right now is still up, what, 18,000%? You know, so like there comes a moment where it's like, you've got nothing to lose. Like when a snake is backed into a corner and it has nothing to lose, you're still looking at high risk plays, of course, and you got to make good decisions. But like, if you fail, what's the L? Like you lost 70K that was already free rolled kind of upside. Like, Jacob, did you just compare yourself to a snake in the corner? <laughs> Um, I think maybe, I don't know if that's a great comparison, but <laughs> I love it. It's very vivid. Is, you know what I mean? It's your point. Yeah. 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 It's just like when you're coming from nothing, you know, like I, like yeah. my family never got made nothing, six got figures ever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like my family never made six figures in a year. I was the first to go to college, first to go to grad school. Like my mom had me at 15, like everything I've ever done is upside. You know what I mean? Like. I think there's a very interesting part of this story here that doesn't get talked about enough because for so many of the people, I wish I had some good data on this anecdotally <laughs> from a lot of the folks who I've met in the space who have done well early in NFTs. There's a lot of folks who they're looking at this as being massive gains. It almost, there's a part of the kind of like YOLO slash NFT degen culture that that feels like part of the reason it's going to keep being successful is because everyone is just like, why would I ever sell this? This has a kind, like, I, I want to keep winning at this game. I feel like everything has been rigged up until this point. Now I've figured out something that the rest of the world doesn't know is a really big deal. And I don't care. Like I, I, like there is this, I don't know what to call it, but there is a, I think, there's something about this that the maybe that other markets haven't really had because I think a lot of people feel the way you feel 
like I'll hold this until it's worth billions and <laughs> like I, will, I, I, I think I it's the same as being willing to hold it all the way down to zero, right? Like it's the diamond. I think hands. there's something mm. well I, I think maybe if there's like I don't know, a potentially sophisticated read on it, it's that we've shifted the American culture, at least American culture, from an ownership society into a renter society. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't get to own anything. You get to rent. You get to rent your house. You get to make minimum wage or you come out of school with 100K in debt. You make 60K a year. You pay 1500 a month to the government. You're a renter. Yeah. You, have, you own nothing. You're not on top of anything. But in NFTs and in digital assets, digital culture, when you're buying the entirety of a non-fungible asset, you own that thing. That thing is yours. Like mm. that's your ticket into the club. That's your part of the membership. That is your digital asset. Maybe it's your digital identity. But it is an owned asset. And just because the market has a weird week, you're not selling out from under it. It's not like GameStop went down, GameStop went down 20% and you're worried so you're going to sell out of some. There is no sum. It's all or nothing because it's an owner mentality versus a renter. And I think that's frankly one of the reasons I'm so bullish on it over the next five years. I think especially video game culture and, and just consumer culture, like once you can pay $10 to actually own the thing in game that's digitally scarce and it's yours, mm-hmm. it makes total sense. Once you can own the TikTok or VR filter and you own it and it's yours and there's a secondary for it, it makes total sense. Like it's an ownership opportunity. I don't know if that analogy works for you, but like, I think there's something there. I'm buying what you're selling. I'm buying what you're <laughs> selling. And I'm, I'm curious then, so what's the pitch for the fund? Oh, yeah. So the, the transition for me from, I guess, from like being a lawyer into more being an investor is I had a good year investing, but so did a lot of people. You know, I think for me, I always wanted to be in tech anyways, on the business side, I think I have uh, a good at poking holes and concepts and building out frameworks for things. So two punks capital, the name of the fund, yeah, my buddy, Steven, he's got a a pretty extensive gaming background with, with Zynga and unity and MIT guy, super smart. Uh, Shout out Steven. Perfect. I'm the child. I'm the child (laughs) of the team. Basically I don't want to make $500 an hour forever. I don't want to make a thousand dollars an hour. Like, I don't want to sell my hours for time because then I have to think Smart. about, I would rather hang out with my wife and daughter than take this call right yeah, now, girl you know, and I don't like wow. that concept at all. Dude, Jacob, that hurts. I mean, we were really happy to have you on this call, but I get it. Uh, I <laughs> this get it. is literally, so I told my wife <laughs> I was taking off from the 23rd to the third and then TZ's like, Hey, can you do Thursday? Classic and so I looked TZ. at my wife and I'm like, it doesn't count as work if I have a good time, right? I'm not charging any and I'm not charging any money. Thank your wife so, for us. I know she'll be listening uh, to the I pod, will. so thank you. Thank you. That's right. Shout out Harley, Harley and Margo. Thank you, Harley and Margo. So yeah, we uh but yeah, so so taking all of that and wrapping it into one, I this year, you know, I told you I had to pick and choose some equity, but I got offered a mm-hmm. lot of opportunities to write seed checks or to be advisors or whatever. And I, I think Hopefully it's because people were like, well, hell, we don't just want you to be our lawyer because we want to keep talking and we don't want to have to pay you just to talk. Like, how do we get you involved? Like, how do we do business together? And at the same time, I had a lot of people ask me to invest their money for them, I guess. So it all just kind of perfect stormed into uh, Stephen and I 
we met earlier this year. We've, we built Ready Player DAO together. Like he was a part of the core team on that, which is a blockchain gaming group that I invited Alexis to that he was too slow to respond about joining. Oh, I'm the worst. And uh, it did really well. It's done I'm really, sure really well. Did. Explain <laughs> what Ready Player DAO is for those who are listening. Yeah, so Ready Player DAO kind of started with the intent of being an Axie guild. So we have like a couple thousand scholars that play Axie, a blockchain game. But now that we've kind of got our legs under us and we did like a secondary, we did a raise, got enough capital where we're doing equity investments in other games, getting kind of scholarship in-game assets in other games. I think we have 50 members now in the DAO. And, you know, it's a really interesting kind of hive mind approach to investing in a sector. And so TZ, you asked about my punks, like getting into Ready Player DAO. uh, I'll give you a snake in the corner moment. Uh, where yes. I wanted to build out Ready Player DAO. I thought it would be awesome. I started pulling people together. Then I realized DAOs require me to put in my own money to like mm-hmm. have skin in the game. It's not mm-hmm. just like I'm raising capital, right? It's like I have to, my skin in the game isn't just I'm the one who made the first phone call or I made the Discord. It's like I have to put money in here to have my piece. And so I had just gotten my CryptoPunk and I reached out to a friend in the space and I was like, I need a hundred percent LTV loan for six months against this pump. Mm. And he was like, all right, you've done enough for me this year that I'll do it. And so I sent him my pump. He sent me 25 ETH and I put it in. And then a week and a half later, I was like, I got to double down. I sold a Mebit. I sold a squiggle. I put in 10 more ETH. So like I put in 35 of the initial like 1500 ETH that we raised, which was like, you know, $5 million founders round, I guess. But yeah, that was the most money I've ever had in my hands ever. And then we just recently raised 15 at 150 on the valuation. So it was like a 30X from the founders round. And yeah, I mean, it's been an awesome ride to hear, but YGG's valuation is like 4 billion. So <laughs> we're still a, a relatively small fry. I think we're probably one of the top like five holders of Axis and like kind of scholarship programs, but Lots of growth incoming for Ready Player Dow. And then, yeah, so I guess Two Punks Capital, it's a fund. We're focused on infrastructure in Web3 around NFTs. Uh, we're not investing in protocols. We're investing in communities and companies. Maybe a wills and trusts or real estate play, but uh, really just like easy to use, like consumer focused. Uh, I think there's going to be a billion users of NFTs in the next five years and half of them won't know it's an NFT. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. so I'm, uh, I'm assuming that we have similar theses with 776's view on, on the Web3 stuff. We're just seed stage. So where it's like a $25 million fund, it's super early idea stage, you know, pre-seed, seed rounds. And like I said, Steven's got extensive gaming background. I've got my like legal frameworks approach. So the two of us are an interesting, probably more of an interesting follow-on check, I would say. Oh, we'll talk about this separately. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, faster on my DMs, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the two things I've invited you to in your DMs this year would be um, a top five gaming DAO and the top yeah. fashion focused DAO and red DAO. So, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you get a lot of opportunities, but no, it's no excuse. I'm we're two, I've for, been two, terrible. And we're two for two in the DMs. Right I know, now. I know. I've been, I've <laughs> explained the red DAO. Alexis, do you want to share a little more cope real quick before I explain red? DAO? No, it's <laughs> like I. I, Alexis I, is very I'm bad at terrible DMs, at to be managing fair. my DMs he, and he I'm actually building a solution for this into Cerebro 
we just did Twitter integration. Basically, I'll be able to, to manage a unified inbox of not just uh, founder requests from the portfolio, but also my DMs. And, wow. and then I can also, all in one place, right? Yeah. So every time I DM you on Twitter, it's just going to the team. It's going to hit me in Cerebro, and then I'm going to have a team of people supporting that as well. Triage. Oh my gosh. As yeah. of now, I'm like double phones. Only certain things wow. are logged in on certain phones. Oh, like, interesting. I can How do, you do that. It? I can. Well, I mean, I have this NFT sticker on this phone with oh, a Jasty sticker as well. Yes. Shout out Jasty. Very subtle. So uh, I know very quickly which phone is in hand, and I only let mm-hmm. my uh, my personal phone ping my Apple Watch. So like, it's my wife, it's my mom, it's family, it's maybe my assistant if they really need me. But I've got my Apple Watch tethered to the. This is an emergency. I should look down to see who's calling, and not everybody gets that number. And yes. then every, you know, kind of, yeah. There's a lot of different layers to how I've split it between the two, but I've split it between the two. I've thought about doing that. It's annoying for sure, but I think it's net positive. Like, <laughs> I think it's net positive. I'm going to go with that for now. I think net positive. Alexis might need to do that. Yeah, this is actually a good idea. I'm learning a lot on this <laughs> podcast. Thanks. Oh, okay, man. but Look at that. But don't dodge TZ's question. Red down. Oh, Red down. Red down. Red down. Okay, yeah, so... Part of the fund, like Two Punk's thesis and part of my my kind of general belief over the next couple of years is I actually still think real estate and wills are three to five years out. Like, like I think like actual tokenized everything is three to five years out, maybe maybe five to ten. I don't know. But like a car deed, a house deed, all that's going to live on chain. All of it. There's no way it doesn't. But you start with where we're at right now. I think we're going to move from the $200,000 profile picture or $30,000 profile picture into like consumer digital fashion, digital wearables, digital things that are either in game or in TikTok or in Snapchat or, you know, on display even just because it's like a beautiful digitally made asset. And so Red Dow's kind of a market maker in digital fashion. They're writing equity checks into companies, but also acquiring really fun high-end digital fashion items and kind of helping prove out that market. I guess one of the highest like couture sales so far was Dolce & Gabbana. They did a sale with UNXD. I really like Shashi and the UNXD team. They're great. Red Dow bought the Doge crown, which we thought was funny because Doge, but Doge is actually like a material. Like it's not even like a specific, it wasn't a crypto reference. It was like a an actual couture oh, reference. Like they, they use Doge, like not because of crypto. Genius. Um, yeah. But we That's bought good. it anyways. That's even better. And I went to the uh, Fifth Avenue store in New York and I actually got to put on the crown, which was really fun. Like the physical of the crown. But, you know, we paid, I think we paid like a million two USDC for like the physical digital combined. And yeah, Red Dow, you know, so they've put a million two in that asset, but they've also put about a million five across four different startups in the digital fashion space. And we're building like an incubator for, you know, digital fashion creators, designers who want to ask questions, gather together or looking for help or looking for smart contracts or whatever, you know? So just because they're good at Blender and 4D doesn't mean that they know how to do crypto, you know, but they, they're open yes. to it or they want to. So we're doing a lot of fun things in Red Dow. And frankly, I don't think you can be a part of too many DAOs. Like, I don't think someone can be actively involved in too many DAOs and be useful. I think at some point you hit five DAOs or 10. Like, there's too many commitments. You just aren't. Useful. Yeah, there's diminishing marginal returns for sure on your down moment, but. Yeah, you're not, there's definitely you're not close like to it yet. financial upside. Financial oh, yeah. upside, sure, but not personal 
like utility, right? Mm -hmm. So I think 2022 is like, in my opinion, the two things are going to be the most interesting in 2022 is mass use case consumer NFTs, whether that's gaming or that's wearables or something like the hundred dollars or less or $500 or less. And then the second one, I think we're going to see really cool experimental DAOs. Like I'm working with a group that's, you know, trying to buy a soccer team in Europe, working with Mike Dudas and Lazaro and that crew trying to buy a golf course, you know, I think, you know, and those two groups are also taking two different approaches. You know, one is going to be private ownership because they need approval from the league. And one is going to be way more fractional, way more held by a lot of people trying to buy a golf course and make membership club out of it, you know? So I think there's going to be cool experiments, whether it's equity focused DAOs or asset focused DAOs or buying a soccer team or buying golf course. Like I think we're going to see cool stuff. How do you define an experimental DAO versus a normal DAO? There's no such thing as a normal DAO. I mean, <laughs> everything's an experiment right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think we're going to see, I think we're going to continually see DAOs throughout 2022 that are just like novel. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of novel things pop up like every month. I think DAOs, as you look backwards, there's like, like Flamingo DAO and its whole network. Like that's a pretty specific way of doing things. Like it's 99 members or less. It's accreditation. It's like a private investor club, like to a degree that's doing really dope things and buying really cool things. And like they work together. Well. Alexis, aren't you in Flamingo DAO? I am a member of Flamingo DAO. Yeah, Alexis Guilty is as in charged. Flamingo. That's nice, yeah. And like I'm in Ready Player DAO. We're in that network as well. You know, like Aaron yeah. Wright, work, work with him on that stuff. So I think that's great. And I'm in two of those. And Red DAO and Ready Player DAO. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got Friends of Benefits and some others that are like in, you know, kind of unregulated territory, like partnering Mm -hmm. with people to try to figure out how to, you know, (laughs) how do we get back to like taxation and like 1099s, like, like, you know, what's the, so I think you've got fully regulated, fully like simplified DAOs on one side. Then you've got fully unregulated, fully distributed, fully anonymous, non-KYC, like, I don't know what we do here kind of DAO. I think we're going to see more middle ground. And then, you know, Krause House is probably going to buy part of a basketball team. Like Wagme United is probably going to buy a soccer club. Like just going to be different revenue flows and different like layers of like stiff. You know what I mean? Like I think we're just going to see the whole spread instead of like fully tight versus fully loose. Yeah. Um, somewhere in the middle. And you are one of the experts on the forefront. How does it feel? I've always believed everyone is kind of making up as they go along. I've always right. felt that way in any of the stuff I've been building and, and whatnot. And it's, it's a little unnerving and exciting and exhilarating to know that we're entering territory that normally doesn't have a lot of creativity. And yep. there's a ton of it right now, but there's right. a lot of it. That's right. And, That's right. and you're, I mean, like how pedigreed of a lawyer are you technically? <laughs> I love I'm not, it. That's I, a great way to put it. No, it's a great way to put it. On that's totally fair. This is like it's totally look. You get one boomer question. Everything is permissionless. You I get know. one boomer question per interview, and this is yeah. your boomer question. This is no, my I'm boomer totally question. Kidding. It's totally fair. Totally and, fair. and I love uh, it. So I I went to Pepperdine, which is like I don't know, ranked fiftieth in the country law school, mm, like reasonably school. a good school. Uh, you know, high ranked entrepreneurship program. That's why I went. And yeah, I mean, I passed California bar, like I'm a licensed mm-hmm. attorney in California. Okay. But how nice, long, nice. how long were you practicing the law? 
Right. So I, I mean, like, have been practicing. Jacob is very young. I'm drawing out. I'm 26. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So for two years, you're practicing the law, and that actually makes you the perfect person to be helping pioneer this space because you don't know what you don't know in so many ways. You have enough of a framework to, like, you know, have some founding uh, knowledge, and, and certainly the credentials are yeah. there. But what makes this all so special is that a 26 year old with two years in practicing the law is actually one of the yep. best, most capable people to be at the forefront of a really remarkable world changing technology. Normally we would think, oh, of course, this has to be someone who's been in it for 10, 20, 30 years. You know, you don't hand right. out Nobel prizes to neophytes, but right. you actually oh, do man. Am I a snake in a corner or am I a neophyte now? I mean, no, I, it is just, <laughs> I need, I clearly same need category. richer metaphors. I need richer metaphors here. <laughs> I mean, but same, we're fine. <laughs> it's wild. It's wild to yeah, think yeah. this, but it's exhilarating and it's exciting. And, and it makes perfect sense to me why this is the case. And there's probably people listening who are like, what is going on to the world? And, and you know, this, this probably, it might seem a little like, Yeah, I get boomer. I get confidence. boomer. That's the only way I can say it. Like, yeah. I totally get looked down on relatively often. Do you go you to know, the, the are, are there log? parties are there law gatherings do you go to the cigar smoke filled rooms do you, you know there's basically been covid the whole time i've been <laughs> oh right that's good okay fine um no so what's what's interesting that i have to say when it comes to like you know talk your own resume kind of thing and like prove you deserve to be in the room it's like it's twofold to me one i realized as like a first year law student 2017 that if i focused on blockchain 30 hours a week for like two or three years I would be further ahead by 10,000 hours than anyone that was working 80 hours a week at a law firm there not it is. looking at blockchain. There it is. And then I started a company in blockchain that was also focused on like legal and regulatory implications of blockchain and smart contracts. So I'm like five years deep as of like spring 2017, spring 2022. Like, so I'm almost four years into like actual in the meat smart contract law. Where do they interact? What can they do? And like, I've actually got less lawyer experience, which is why I've transitioned into this like consulting, advising frameworks conversation. Cause like, I don't want to do your paperwork and you probably don't want me to do your paperwork. Let's go find someone with 10 years of experience to do your paperwork, <laughs> you know, on certain deals. Like my value is very, you know, I, I think the way it makes the most sense is like, I view web three as like a language. Like, I think there's a language barrier for a lot of people. So if you go to a securities attorney and you're like, hey, we want to fractionalize this and then you can stake this to receive this reward and this part's ownership, but this part's governance. That sentence makes sense to me. That sentence makes sense to very few other people. So I end up being a translator, really. Like I end up being like, like I speak Latin or I speak Spanish. Like I'm yeah. in the middle of like 30 years of experience on one side and a young engineer building something dope on the other side. That's kind of where I sit in this like, I don't know. I talked to the House Financial Services Committee a couple of days ago because someone on the digital assets team reached out to me and they're like, hey, we heard you on a podcast and like, we're going to need help coming up to speed on NFTs and DAOs. And like, we think you can I'm so happy they're that. talking to you. I, mean, like, I don't great. know. Like, I, like, I thought That's that not was a, a fun DC outreach, thing. you know? Yeah. That was like a fun chat. Um, that gives me hope. <laughs> it really oh, yeah. does. I didn't mean to boomer you. Actually, that's my job on this podcast. No, I, yeah, it is. You're, you're the, you're the resident. That's right. Yeah. 
No, but I think it's it's totally a fair question. I mean, like I said, like I've been definitely looked down on or even spoken down to by, you know, certain organizations, Fortune 500s, Let's other, name names. You know, 50 year old lawyers, you know, 50, 60 years old with tons of experience. And they're just like, dude, like I've got 30 years on you. You don't get to tell me how to do this. And I'm just like, I'm not trying to tell you how to do it. That's just not how on-chain royalties work. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's not Sky's personal. Blue. It's just not how on-chain royalties work. Like, I don't know. Like you're going to have to get your clients tax help because they can't just mm. take money in that way and not have tax considerations. And there's like, well, rah, 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 well the accountant will do it. I'm like, Ask your accountant if they have crypto experience. It's important, <laughs> you know? So I don't know. I say that sometimes as like the lawyer in the room, I feel like the adult in the room, even though I'm, I'm younger than a lot of people that I work with. It's just like people want to do really fun Wild West things. And every now and then I have to put on my like, all right, let's, rem- let's remember that there is a government here. We love the experimental we- downs, but we also do not want to go to jail. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. fair. That is a fair line to draw. <laughs> exactly. I have a lot more questions, but we have to wrap this up. So one last question for you, Jacob. Yes. If you're stranded on an island, what NFT would you bring? It can be your collection or any collection in the world. You know, I listened to your podcast the other day with Noah. And shout out, Noah. Shout out, Noah. And... He asked if it had to be his collection or another one. I would say from my collection, I would bring my punk and I would cry, whether it's price is zero or a million, I would just hold my punk and it would, it would just be there with me. From another collection, there is a, like a crypto baby punk that looks like my daughter. And I would, oh. I would bring that to an island with me, yeah. I love that. Crypto baby punk? Ah, yeah, crypto is baby this a, Is this like it's a, a, different, it's a... It's a different collection, they like, it's a derivative thing. Whoa. Yeah. Didn't even know this existed. What kind of yeah, NFT collector know. am Wait, I? Let's, yeah. let's go look at the crypto, crypto baby punk. Alexis is going to become a crypto baby punk whale. Whale. Just, find wait. <laughs> Just wait. I got to get all the crypto baby Serena punks now for my wife. There you oh. go. If there's any of them, just go for it. Wow. Oh, they're little tiny and they don't have facial hair if they're dude. That's, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's adorable. Power of the internet. Everyone at home, TZ is now drooling over crypto baby punks. On They're camera. so cute. Quick, sweep the floor. So sweep, sweep the floor. floor.